and welcome to the Word of Life Church Podcast. We're delighted you've chosen to spend some time with us today. We believe that today's message has the power to inspire and elevate your faith journey. Before we dive in, we'd like to express our heartfelt thanks to our partners. Your generous contributions make it possible for us to continue spreading the gospel, serving our community, and carrying out our ministry. If today's episode moves you and you'd like to be a part of our mission, we'd invite you to become a partner. Your support has an everlasting impact and allows us to reach even more souls. Now, let's turn our hearts and our minds to the Word as we begin today's episode. We've been talking about end times, and I really wrestled with continuing this series because there's so much I want to say on it. In fact, I, I want to say more than we have Sundays for. And so what I've done is I've contacted an end times expert. Now, there is, is somebody actually on our staff who, I kid you not, is an end times expert, and it is none other than John Romick. I know he would be the last person you would think uh, that would major on end times, but John lived with me for for you know, several months, uh, him and Carolina, and every Sunday night he would get on uh, line with his father, and they would talk about end times. It was just something that his father had on his heart, and they did it for like two years. And so I would often try to make John laugh, like because he's filming in our little guest room, and so I'm like trying to like capture his attention where you know I can mess up his little program because you know that's what a good buddy does, um, and that kind of thing. And I, I I'm like tell me about end times and so we would sit there and talk and and so what I told him that I would like to do is I would like to sit down with him and film a bunch of coffee times and podcasts about all things end times in fact John is going to tell us who the antichrist is uh, so I, I'm kidding uh, so my, my, <laughs> out of that uh, we're gonna film a bunch of those and we'll release them next year uh, but I really felt like this weekend I, I had it on my heart to go in a little bit different direction well not a little bit, a a big different direction. Uh, So let's open up our Bibles today if you brought them to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 8. And I want to talk about graduating in gratitude. Graduating in gratitude. This week, in case you didn't know it, is Thanksgiving week. Um, Let me just see a show of hands at all of our campuses, because I can see you just like you can see me. They'll throw you up on the screens, uh, you know, my confidence monitors. How many of you like sweet potato casserole with marshmallows? Do we have any marshmallow people? That's me. I like it with marshmallows. How many of you like it with pecans? What is wrong with you? You're ruining a perfect good, perfectly good side. But I love Thanksgiving. It's my favorite, um, you know, holiday to just sit back and to give thanks. And I really feel like for so many of you, you're in a season where we need to learn how to give thanks. And, and some of you to give thanks for what God has done and others of you to give thanks for what God will do. But Thanksgiving is powerful in our lives. And so I just want to teach this like I feel it today out of the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8. Now in Deuteronomy 8, it's a commencement speech. Uh, And so I'm not sure how many of you remember your commencement speech from when you graduated, but it's basically God seeing his people are about to graduate. They're going from one level to another level. The level that they're going to is actually better than the level that they're at. Uh, How many of you could say, yes, Lord, like I I want that in my life as well. Uh, And so they, they really are. He's been trying to take them to this level for 40 years, but there's been reasons why he couldn't. But now they're getting ready to. 
And before they go into this next level and graduate from their current one, he sends Moses to give them a commencement speech. And I want you to watch this speech. I want you to notice God's heart. And I want you to see God's heart not just for them, but to see God's heart for you. Because I don't care who you are, God has a promised land for you. I said, I don't care who you are, God has a promised land for you. And, and I think all of our promised land may look a little bit different. Uh, but each one of us, God has given us exceedingly great and precious promises that God wants fulfilled in our lifetime to establish his covenant with us. And I feel like for many of you, it's time you walk in them. And, and honestly, you're coming into a season where you will. But I, I want you to, to see this in that light and to just take these words to heart. So let's look at it. Deuteronomy chapter 8, and we'll start here in verse number 7. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing forth in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat food without scarcity, and which you will not lack anything. A land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And when you have eaten and are full, you will bless the Lord your God for the good which he, notice who's given it, which he has given you, and beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinance and, and his statutes which he has commanded you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold multiply and all that you have multiplies... Do you see God's heart there? Amen. Then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. He led you the great and terrible wilderness and its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. He brought water for you out of the rock in the wilderness he fed you with manna which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you, that he might test you, to do you good in your end. Otherwise, you may say in your heart, my power and my strength of my hand has gotten me this wealth. But you will remember it was the Lord your God. For it is he who has given you the power to make wealth, which he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Um, what God is showing them is that God has been good to you in your past, and the good that you saw in your past, it was God. Uh, the water that came from a rock, that was God. The bread that fell from heaven, God. Uh, your clothes not wearing out on the journey, God. God was in your past. He got you to this point. But all the good that was in your past is not all God has for you. 
that there is good for you in your future that outweighs the good that God brought to you in your past. And when you walk in that good in your future, Moses said, God wants you to know before you walk in it, that when you get there, don't think you earned it, don't think you deserved it, and don't think you worked for it. It was God who gave it to you. And so keep in mind that you are to always come back and say thank you for every good thing that is in your life. Because if it is good, it came down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Every good thing in your life, it is because God was patient with you, God was gracious with you, God loved you, and he deserves the praise for it. What is not turned into praise always turns into pride. Uh, When you look at the good things in your life, if you don't turn them into praise, they will always turn into pride. If, If you see your children and they have a season in which they're doing well, and you look at that, if you don't turn it into praise, it'll turn into pride. You'll think it was just you. Uh, Well, what'd you do with those kids? Well, let me tell you. Um, If you have some good things going on at work, and there's some good things going on there, maybe some deals have closed, maybe some things are about to happen, maybe you're walking in a promotion or a raise, if you don't turn that into praise, it will always turn into pride. Um, if, if you are seeing good things happen in your home, like there's some fun, exciting things there, and you're watching good happen, if you don't turn that good into praise, it will turn into pride. And there are many things that are dangerous for us as believers, but p- potentially the, the most dangerous thing in your life is the sins of the heart. Sins of the flesh, other people can see them, other people can notice them, and other people can call you out on them, but sins of the heart are things that are are happening on the inside of you, and pride is one of the biggest ones. Where you are looking at the good of your life, and you are attributing it to your hard work, you're attributing it to to your effort, you're attributing to, to you not giving up and quitting, and you are not seeing God in the middle of the good. And I'm telling you today, like I believe God is about to do more good in our lives than ever before. I I think we're going into a land where it's going to flow with what we need. But if we don't learn right now in the land we're currently at to look at every good thing God has given us and to say, you know how we got here? God has been gracious and God has been good. That we will miss it in the next season when God's goodness is even multiplied in our life, but we think it's us. And this is exactly what happened to the children of Israel. Just like you forgot your commencement speech, they forgot theirs. They forgot that it was God who was at work in their life, both to will and to do his good pleasure. They forgot that he was the alpha and the omega, that he was the beginning and the end, that he was with them when they had nothing and he was with them when they had plenty. And the reason why they went from nothing to plenty was because God was good to his people. If it's good, it is God. And we give him thanks and praise for it. 
Um, this week, I grounded both my sons. Uh, so so uh, yeah, I have three children. Uh, my daughter is 17, and then I have a 15-year-old son and a 10-year-old son. Both of them got grounded this week for the same thing. Um, so there's very few things. I have very few rules in the Sims house, but one of the big ones is this. We get our work in before our play. Uh, I don't care how long you play. Have as much fun as you want to have after you get your work done with excellence. Uh, that we don't procrastinate with work. We don't put off work. Work is a gift God has given us. Life has given us. Um, God has given us the gift of life. Our gift to him is how hard we, we work with it. That we give it back to him. God does not work for us. He works with us. And yes, God gives the increase, but we sow the seed and we water it. Um, and that type of thing. And so I'm having this discussion with them that like you've got to be disciplined and you've got to get your work in before your play. And so I'm going over the consequences for not doing that. And I'm pointing to the examples of like you were on your video game while the trash was not being taken out. And you were on your video game while the laundry was not getting done. And you were on your video game when you were treating homework like it was optional. Like all of these kinds of things. And I'm like, what are all those examples of? Getting your play in before your work. And I'm like, we, it, life doesn't work that way. You've got to learn how to get your work in before your play. I'm not training you to like, like me. I, I'm training you to do well in life. Um, and, and so out of that, there's some things you have to learn. You've got to learn this principle. Like I don't enjoy teaching it to you, but if I don't teach it to you, I wouldn't be a good father. I've got to teach it to you. Now, all of that is good, but I made a mistake and it was how I closed. Now, here was my closing. I could feel emotion rising because sometimes it's like kids are, are there, but they're not listening. Have you ever felt that before? So I wanted to make a greater emotional impact, and it turned into sin. Uh, so, so I don't know if that's ever happened to you with your kids before. Um, but like, and I, I can see like it's not quite registering. And, and so like I, I use the example. I'm like, look over there. And so I made them look. I'm like, what do you see over there? They're like, a kitchen table. I'm like, what is on the kitchen table? They're like, books. I'm like, how often times do you see books there? Every morning. I'm like, exactly. And I'm like, why are they there? And they're like, because that's where you read. I'm like, but what am I doing when I'm reading? They're like, you're working. I'm like, exactly. I get my work in before my play. And I, I used that ex as example, and I, I, I said, this morning, I was up at 3 o'clock getting my work in before my play. I'm like, this, I'm not asking you to do anything I'm not doing. I'm trying to make it register, you know? Like, I'm trying to make them see it, like that kind of thing. And here's where sin happened. I said, one day, you are, want, you are going to want to give your family a life like I have given you. And you will be on the other side of this, and you will want to give your boys what I am giving you boys. And I said, you know why you have this? Because I get my work in before my play. And if you want to give it to your kids the same way that you were walking in it, you're going to have to learn how to get your work in before your play. Like, yes, sir. I'm like, you're grounded. And so out of that, like, we had this talk. And as soon as it's over, the Lord pulls me aside, and he's like, so you have this life? because you get your work in before your play? That's why you have this life. That, that's why you're able to be good to your kids. It's, it's because of you. Like, that's how you wanted to end that talk. Like, that's really the, the end point you wanted to. Do you remember what it was like before my grace hit your life? Do you remember how hard you worked, but you still didn't see it? 
Do you really think it's just your work that put, put all of this in your life? Or did it happen to have my grace hit your work? My ability hit your work? Come back with that. Why? Because if it's not turned into praise, it always turns into pride. And pride may be the most dangerous thing in your life when it comes to going to another level. Uh, years ago, I was um, um, <laughs> at a meeting, and I, I was in a season of life where I was really struggling. Life was not going well for me. There was more struggle than strength. And life is always a collection where there's something going right and something going wrong. It's just sometimes the something going wrong uh, is bigger to you than the things going right. And, and out of that, I, I was in a season where there just seemed like more was going wrong than right. And every single meeting I walked in, like I was getting called out. Like somebody would call me out, a minister would call me out, and they would have a word for me. And it would just, it guided me in that season. And the last word I got from this one particular minister is he called me out and he said, the Lord wants you to be careful of pride. And I thought, like, out of all the words that I could get, that's not the one I need right now. Like, I'm struggling on all fronts. I need confidence. Like, there's nothing about me right now that feels like it's winning at life. Um, I feel like I'm failing at everything. But I kid you not when I say here lately that word has, has kept coming back to me. See, my life turned around with the scripture, and I think all of our lives need a golden text, like just something where it's God speaking to us through his word. There are two types of word. When the, the word of God mentions the word of God, there's two types of word. There's the logos and the rhema. Those are Greek words. Logos means the written word. Rhema means the spoken word. And when you're reading scripture, a lot of times it's logos and you're learning. It's what God wrote and you're able to take it and be like, okay, like that makes sense and that scripture ties in with that scripture and, and you walk away with wisdom. But when rhema hits you, when it's not just something you're reading, but it speaks to you, it is spirit and life to you. And it's more than wisdom, it's power. And if you'll operate in and through that rhema word, you can walk on water. Like, that's where you see the miraculous. When calm is not just something you read, but spoken to your heart, you can walk on that. And there are words to you when you read it, messages to you, that become rhema words. Like, it is God speaking to you through that. And years ago, I read this scripture in 2 Chronicles 26 and verse 5. And they'll put it up on the screens. It's about a young kid by the name of Uzziah, and he is in a season of life where his father has passed away, and he's been made king, and that's how I felt in my life. My father passed away, and I am now a pastor, and I'm reading his story, and watch how it goes here. He continued to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding through the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. Now, you've heard my testimony. I read this as a young man, and I got angry. And the reason why I got angry is because I told God, like, I'm in his same predicament. My father passed away, his father passed away. He became king, I became pastor. He sought the Lord, I'm seeking you. But you made him prosper and my life is going backwards. See, what this word prosper means is not a dollar amount. Because like I said, our promised land, it all looks different. 
the, 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 the prospering here is not something of like it's a certain figure or amount. It's like your life is seeing progress. That's literally what prosper means. Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. What that means is that your life is seeing progress. That, that your life is moving forward. The scenery is changing. You're not circling around the same mountain. And my life felt stuck, and he's seeing progress. And I'm like, God, I thought you said you weren't a respecter of persons. And he's like, you're not doing what he did. I'm like, what do you mean I'm not doing what he did? Everything in my life I have gotten rid of. Like, all I'm thinking about is, is you. And he's like, really? And then I saw this scripture in a brand new way. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. And I saw I wasn't seeking the Lord. I was seeking church growth and not to fell. And the Lord was my vehicle to that destination. That it was not the Lord I was seeking. I was seeking the Lord to take me where I really wanted. And what, what I really wanted was not him. What I really wanted was him to take me to what I really wanted, which was not to be a failure. And whatever is your destination is your God. It's your idol. And out of that, the way the Lord wants it is that the Lord is at the end of that. And like you're using all these other things. You're using your wealth and you're giving it for him. You're using your life and you're giving it for him. That, that you are seeking him and not just what he can take you to. And, and I made that transition, and honestly, if I'm being completely honest and transparent, that is still one of the hardest things for me to wrestle with in life. That the thing that I want is not the destination that God can take me to, but he is the win. He is the destination. But I, I'm, I kid you not when I say this verse became my golden text, because when I made that course correction... When I made the Lord like the subject of my desire and my attention, when I made him the thing that I wanted more than I wanted anything else in my life, I have seen him give me everything else. From a wife to children to churches to staff to things that have been exceedingly abundantly above anything I could have asked for. And from that moment until then, what I have seen is a change of scenery. I have seen my life get progressively better. But something happens in King Uzziah's story. When you read 2 Chronicles chapter 26, you see God like bless every arena of his life. God's giving him wisdom and God's giving him favor with enemies and God's giving him peace on all sides. Like it's a beautiful story until it wasn't. And watch what happens here in verse number 16. But when he became strong, his heart was so proud that he acted corruptly. And oftentimes, we get in the very thing we've been praying for. And we arrive in destinations that are the very things we were asking God to take us to. And in the middle of being those things, our hearts become proud and we do what they did in Deuteronomy chapter 8. We forget the Lord our God. And he becomes something as, as a bystander and not the cause and this is why we have to come back in every season of our life and come to him and say, God, you want to know why I am where I am? You want to know why I've got good things in my life right now? It is because you have been faithful. You have been wonderful. You have been patient. You have been kind. 
that I come to you with thanksgiving and I come to you with, with just such a heart of gratitude because I know without you, I am nothing. You found me when I was a shepherd boy and look at what you did in my life. You found me when everything was in chaos and everything felt lost, but you with a mighty hand came and did what you did. Thank you, Lord. You remember Nebuchadnezzar? He stood out over his balcony and he's like, look at what my hand did. And God's like, you think it was you? And he took his grace off of him. And as soon as that grace left Nebuchadnezzar's life, he saw the difference between what he could do and what a life with God's grace could do. Don't fall into pride. Look at the good things in your life and to admit it was the Lord God who got me this far. It was his grace. It was his goodness. There's a story in the book of Luke. They'll, they'll put it up on the screens. There were 10 lepers who cried out for mercy. And I, I love that, that heart. And if you're ever going through a hard time, just ask for mercy. God never, Jesus, who's God made flesh on the earth, never did not stop when someone just said, have mercy. And if you're going through a hard time, remember that. E even if mercy is when you haven't been perfect, have mercy, Lord. It stops the heart of God. And they're, they're crying out for mercy, and the Lord has it. And he tells them, go show yourself to the priests. And as they were going, they were made well. Well, you know the story if you've been around church out of the ten, one comes back and he sees what the Lord has done in his life. And he comes back and watch what happens. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, and when he saw that the Lord had been good, he turned back, glorifying God, I love this, with a loud voice. He's not trying to put on a show. Um, he's not trying to, to act proud. He, he's just before God, not caring who is paying attention. And he's glorifying him with a loud voice and he's falling on his face at Jesus' feet, giving thanks to him. He was a Samaritan, verse 17, and Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 who were cleansed? He was expecting thanksgiving. But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner, because he was a Samaritan? And he said unto him, stand up and go, your faith has made you well. Now, this word well literally means whole. Now, this is very interesting to me because I think all of these men who were, they were healed were very expectant of what they could go to. But they forgot to, to come back and give thanks besides one. And what this word whole means is literally the others were cleansed from their leprosy. But he was not just cleansed from his leprosy. Uh, he was made whole from what leprosy took from him. And what happened in the lives of the other nine is they were so expectant that now that they were whole or now that they were cleansed of what they could go to. And so they began to add to their life what only they could add. And they began to, to put in their, their life what they wanted back. Uh, so their jobs, and I can see my family again, and I can go back to work again, and all of these other things. But when this man turned and gave thanks, he saw God give him what he could never give himself. And he didn't even do it for that reason. But God took his life to another level 
a level of which he could have never taken his life to before. Not because he even asked for the level, he was just thankful for the level God had already given him. And I'm telling you, in your life, what God wants to do is God is a father, and he wants to bless you, and he wants to help you. But oftentimes, we're so busy thinking about accumulating the next level that we don't appreciate the level that we're at. And if we would appreciate the level that we're at, we would see God do for us what we could never do for ourselves. But I, I also like this idea of becoming whole through appreciation. Because there are people who have exactly what you are praying for, and they're still not happy. Because maybe what you need to be happy and whole is not another level of accumulation, but another level of appreciation. Oh, come on, don't make me preach. Maybe what you need to be happy in your life right now is not another level of accumulation, but another level of appreciation. Because there are people in your life right now who have exactly what you think you want, but are still not happy because they are not seeing the goodness of God that is in their life. And you can be happy right now, no matter what you have, if you will turn your attention off of your struggle and onto your strength, and you say, God, you have been good to me here. I know that there hasn't been all these other things, but I'm looking at my life, and I'm telling you this, Lord, I see what you have done with this life I see your goodness I see your grace and father I came back to you to say thank you uh, my oldest kids right now are on a six flag strip they're coming home with our youth department and uh, out of that me and my wife thought last night well that'd be a good time to wrap gifts and so we wrapped and well, I say we wrapped my wife wrapped uh, she did all the gifts and I supported her morally uh, and, and, and cheered her on uh, and so out of that we're wrapping gifts and um, that type of thing and I had this thought like as we're, we're gearing up for Christmas for my my own kids um, what if they grew in gifts but did not grow in appreciation and maybe you've noticed this with your kids, that they get so excited about what they will get that they can't even remember what they got last Christmas. And we know as parents, like if you grow in gifts but don't grow in gratitude, that something toxic will enter into your soul. But what if your kids had their gratitude outpace their gifts? Like you woke up on Christmas morning and it's like, where's little Johnny? And you open up the door and he's like, I knew you were about to bless me, so I went to bless you, so I washed your car. It's like, you did what? I washed your car. It's like, why? Because you, you just love me so much and I just wanted to love you more than you love me. And I just wanted to say, how many of you know that Thanksgiving would actually increase their capacity to receive from you? Because what you care about is not just adding a new gift to them. You care more about the state of their soul than you care about the state of their bank account. And God cares more about the state of your soul and who you're becoming than what you have. And when you come to God and you have the, the, the audacity to lift up five loaves and two fish and know it's not enough, but give thanks for it anyway, you will see what is not enough turn into more than enough because your gratitude is outpacing your gifts. 
And what I want in your life is for you with God to show him my gratitude will always outpace the gifts you have given me. That there will not be one moment in my life where I don't come back and say thank you for the good things that are in my life. The happiest people that I know are not those who've accumulated the most. The happiest people I know are those who are appreciative of what God has given them, no matter what it may be. And so I I want us to, to just have an attitude in this season where we see the good in our life and we we name it as God. That we glorify God in the earth for what He has richly provided and given us. But but I also want you to do something today across all of our campuses, and that's to, to graduate in gratitude. That I, I know, and it makes sense, that we should give thanks for the good stuff. Uh, but at Thanksgiving, or at least we used to do this at my grandmother's house, you had the adult table, and then you had the kitty table. And, like, we couldn't wait to graduate from the kitty table to the adult table. Uh, and that type of thing. And in gratitude, like the kitty table, is giving thanks for the good stuff that is in your life. But there is a table that God prepares for you in the presence of your enemies that's actually graduating in gratitude, where you come and you, you in the middle of, of facing things in your life where it seems like there's more wrong than right. And in that moment, you send out the praisers anyway. There's a story that I love in the Old Testament. It's a king by the name of Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat has a season of his life where an enemy surrounds him, and he comes to the Lord, and he tells him this. He says, Lord, we are powerless against this. And I felt so big in my heart that maybe some of you who are listening to this, like there's an enemy in your life where you feel powerless against it. Like the woman with the issue of blood, she spent all that she had, saw every doctor, but was nothing better. Instead, she got worse. And, and what is that? It's, it's powerlessness. It's like no matter what I do in the natural, this is not being fixed. And it's something that's a threat. It's something that's disappointing. And as a pastor, I so badly want to fight discouragement, disappointment, and irritation in your life because in that state, God can't bring to you what he longs to. And there is always seasons of sorrow. I've been through that in my own life where there's just a season of sorrow where the blow of what happened to you kind of knocked the, the wind out of your cells. But the Bible teaches us that the sorrow of the world works death and we can't stay in those moments. Because if, if I maintain like my bitterness and, and I feed my resentment, and we do that, right? Sometimes we just feed that resentment and we want to talk about it and we want to wallow in it and we want to think about it. It didn't work out and we're upset. But God comes in those moments and, and he asks us to do something bold and that is to, to not give thanks for just the goodness that is in our life, but to give thanks for the future goodness he will bring. Because giving thanks for the goodness in your life takes gratitude. But giving thanks for future goodness takes faith. 
And Jehoshaphat, he's in this moment, he's surrounded by an enemy that in the natural he cannot beat. And he said, Lord, I am powerless against this. And then he said, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know how to change it. But he said, one thing I do know, Lord, is my eyes, they are upon you. And a prophet was moved by the Spirit. And he said, King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord, you will not need to fight in this battle. For the battle, it is not yours. The battle, it is the Lord's. And I've got news for you today. Whatever you are facing in your life right now, it is not just your battle. You are covenant child of a living God. You are a daughter of God. You are a son of God. And you've got a God who loves you. And what you may be facing, it may be bigger than you, but it is not bigger than your covenant God. And when Jehoshaphat hears the battle... It is not mine. The battle, it is the Lord's. You know what he does? He does something so big. With the enemy still in the field and destruction all around him, he makes a decision of faith. He trusts in God's future goodness, not just his current one. And in the middle of a situation that looked bleak and hopeless, Uzziah sent the praisers out before the army. And when Jehoshaphat sent the praisers out before the army, you know what they did? Right in the presence of an enemy, right in the presence of a threat, right in the presence of a problem, they begin to sing at the top of their lungs, for the Lord is good and his mercy, it endures forever. I mean, the enemy is right there. It looks like it's over. It looks like they're all about to be wiped out. But they stand on their feet and say, you know what? You know what? I know I got an enemy. I know he's right here in the field. But let me tell you something. The Lord is good. And his mercy, it will endure forever. And the Bible says that as they begin to sing, that the Lord sent ambushments against their enemy. And the very thing that was fighting against them found out it wasn't just them they were fighting. They were fighting a living God who has never failed. He's never lost. And in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, God fixed a problem. Because faith believes it receives when it prays. And if you believe you receive before you get it when you pray, the only thing left to say is thank you, Lord. And yes, I'll give you thanks for what you have done, but I will also get in faith and give you thanks for what you will do. You will not leave me. You will not forsake me. You will make a way for me. For you are good. And your mercy, it endures forever. So across all of our campuses, that's what I want to do this Thanksgiving week. I want us to have a moment where some of you, maybe there's a bunch of stuff you know I need to give God thanks for. Like God's been so good and I need to give him thanks for what he's done. But maybe some of you too today, you've got an enemy in your field that you feel hopeless against. And you need to give God thanks for what he has done, yes. But you, you want to give God thanks in faith today for the coming goodness of God, believing that you have a God 
who has never failed. Whatever it is today, let's just make a decision that corporately we'll have a week of thanksgiving. We're not going to complain this week. We're not going to be afraid this week. We're not going to be anxious this week. We're not going to be downtrodden this week. We're going to snap out of it this week. And we're going to give God thanks and focus on the good that God has for us. Across all of our campuses, let's stand to our feet. I'm going to pray and let's give God praise today. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus that your name is greater than every other name. And Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Every enemy has to flee. Every foe has to be vanquished. You've never lost a battle, Father. And Father, today we do. We give you thanks for every good thing that is in our life. Father, we know that what is not turned into praise always turns into pride. So Father, we come back and, and we give thanks. But Father, today we also give thanks for the coming goodness of God. And Father, we thank you. We'll not be afraid. We'll not be downtrodden. We'll not be disappointed today. You are a way maker. You can split seas. And so Father, today we lift up our faith and we say, Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever and ever. We love you, Father, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.